Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the trusty Nimbus 2000 of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who just want some fan mail to answer. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How y'all doing? Uh, doing fine, though. I'm looking at Amazon for the Nimbus 2001. I've heard good things about it, but besides that, doing fine. Spencer, you always need to stick with the classics. <sighs> Indeed. I mean, that's more of a wish thing. It, it'll probably look better, but mm, maybe not quite live up. <laughs> You're mostly paying for the logo, I think. You'll get it, and it's actually a miniature. <laughs> Um, so we have some segments that we do here. I have a very fast recap, and um, BJ, you have your <laughs> BJ's wizard wheezes that we are doing now, which is always a surprise. Um, Spencer, you have your newbies notes. I award house points, and then there are questions of some sort. I think we have our usual plan. All right, excellent. Um, so, are we ready for the recap? Take uh, a provided deep you have a bet, provided you have a bet for how long you think it's going to take. I, I'm still on the two minute track, Spencer. Have you said this is a consistent rule now? Any chapter that comes under two minutes? Indeed it is. Um, Until we get to the last chapters when all of the plot happens. And then I give myself a little leeway. Then it's like... Is that going to be... It's going to be like two minutes and 15 seconds because you'll just have to say that happened like 10 times and it'll cover it. It's fine. Right. You'll just say things... you say things like, and they play chess. And that kind of summarizes about 10 pages right there. It's good enough. (laughs) Are... Are these later books going to be structured the same way the first, where the last two chapters are like quadruple the length of anything that came before it? Um, good question. I am not sure. I know that for the next couple of books, yes. Um, but I think that we get a little bit, a little bit of different pacing as we get to the later books. So for the first (laughs) four... Yeah. (laughs) We are running roughshod towards the end of the book. (laughs) All right. When you're ready, sir. Okay. Um, and for the record, we are now on Chapter 7, Mudbloods and Murmurs, before, before we get started here. So, Harry is avoiding all kinds of people. Hedwig is mad. Ron's wand is still a disaster. Harry is woken slightly before dawn for Quidditch practice, and Colin Creevy corners him, promising to come watch the, uh, to watch the practice. For the first hour of said practice, Oliver Wood prattles on about uh, their new tactics with people falling asleep in the locker room. Harry feels guilty that he was not conscious for the final game last year, meaning that Gryffindor lost. So Wood is on a mission. When they finally go out to the pitch, Colin is there taking pictures, and then the Slytherin team shows up. Wood is, of course, seething. Flint has a special note to use the Quidditch field from, of course, Snape. They have to train their new seeker, none other than Draco Malfoy, um, who seems to have bought his way onto the team with Nimbus 2001s for all. Ron and Hermione show up. Hermione has a cutting line, and Malfoy calls her a really filthy name. Um, chaos ensues. Ron forgets his wand is on the fritz, tries to curse Malfoy. It backfires. He's made himself burp up slugs instead of Malfoy. They haul him off to Hagrid's hut with Slytherin laughter ringing in their ears. Lockhart is also annoying Hagrid at this point. Uh, Ron keeps burping slugs into a bucket and tries to help Hagrid explain what's so terrible about that term, mudblood. 
Hagrid makes everyone feel better and shows them his giant pumpkins. Harry and Ron still have their detentions. Ron is uh, polishing silver in the trophy room, and Harry is helping Lockhart answer fan mail. Uh, so they set off that night, both miserable. Lockhart waffles on at Harry about fame through the whole evening, and Harry, almost falling asleep, starts to hear a strange voice. Lockhart doesn't hear it, sends Harry to bed. Uh, he meets up with Ron, who has had a slug attack all over a newly cleaned award for special services to the school. Neither knows what to say about the mysterious voice. Impressive. Where did so, I end up, Spencer? At this point, you need to go for like 145 in these things because you are just <laughs> killing the target. Um, thank you, I, I guess. So, <laughs> so, BJ, what do you have for us on this chapter? So I have um, a couple of minor things, and then I have a Spencer realization. <laughs> Let's see what that is. That it's Slytherin Snape, like Slytherin Snake. Mm-hmm. And I just... Uh, mm. Yeah, it's not Spencer Realization because I didn't get it yet. But maybe, like, <laughs> if, it, if it occurred to you, like, three episodes from now, maybe. I'm just saying, like, you know, we had the entire last book that, that I could have gotten it. And so that's why... Anyway, uh, I'm saying it's a, a Spencer Realization. So mm-hmm. um, my favorite thing of the chapter is is the award that you mentioned in your recap, which is the SAS Award. Yes, the, it is the <laughs> special award for services to the school, and and there is hundred percent no way that if the movies were were made today, it wouldn't be um, the the sassy award or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but that thoroughly uh, tickles me. <laughs> um, I also quite enjoyed their Lockhart. I I am going to decide that Lockhart is a stand-in for J.K. Rowling. <laughs> He just bumbles about and annoys people. <laughs> and also is about as fond of uh, alliteration as <laughs> as she is. So mm, Fair point. The um, Has had writerly success and then just takes it too far. All sorts of things. I, I <laughs> might not have been quite that mean, Sarah, but I think you're on a on a roll. Um, so so yeah. Um, Gladys Gudgeon, a, mm-hmm. a great one, and famous fickled friend. Um, so all, all sorts of, of fun little things that, that is clearly a Lockhart special. Lockhart loves, uh, excessive alliteration. Um, so yeah, that's my little bit and, um, I'll A good chapter you. for you, BJ. What? A good chapter for you. Yeah. I, I mean, come on, a sassy award. That's just like near <laughs> and dear to my heart. You probably already won one at some point, BJ. I made it. Um, all right, Spencer, what, what, what is the notes. newbie noting? All right. Uh, well, one thing I enjoyed about this chapter straight up is that it appears that uh, J.K. Rowling enjoys making fun of organized team sports, or at least playing mm-hmm. on them, because like the first opening 10 pages of this chapter is just straight-up parody of all kinds of sports movies, and none of the characters could be bothered to participate at all. They're just straight-up falling asleep. They don't want to be here. They are suffering through something where only one person, the team captain, gives the slightest <laughs> damn about it. So the other f- and really funny thing, I think, is that basically this is exactly what a lot of locker room meetings are going to be now with, like, iPads or surfaces or whatever and their coaches drawing arrows and moving them about. Whereas back when she actually wrote the book, they probably would have had to, like, flip through pages on, like, a, you know, mm-hmm. a big poster board or or, or do the chalkboard like or something like yeah, that exactly. yeah exactly oh yeah maybe if they were really nice they had the dry erase board but nothing like modern technology yeah it's harder to do the sort of clear eyes full hearts can't lose 
uh, when you've got a screen in front of you. <laughs> when, you when you have to interrupt your speech to say slide, yeah. It, yeah, it kind of breaks the rhythm of things a bit. Where's my clicker? The bulb burns out in the overhead. <laughs> uh, Malfoy being set up as the seeker just continues to array him as being Harry Potter's inherent nemesis. That he just kind of needs to join Harry or participate in anything Harry does so that we can hate him. Because we've already had Malfoy, Harry very much view Malfoy as his opponent in all things, but now that he's competing in what has made Harry most famous at the school, the blood is in the water. Things are going to be bad. I can only imagine what their first game is going to be like. I don't, this being a children's book, I can't assume one of them is going to die, but it appears to be ghosts just to random characters ongoing, so maybe it's possible. I think you have uh, like three books until somebody dies. BJ! Uh, you know... <laughs> We've, I had characters dying in the first book. I mean, it's pretty, yeah. you know, it's, it's pretty strongly implied that Coral did not make it out of that room alive. That's true. Uh, Quidditch really needs standardized gear. I mean, we are, I already had some reservations about Harry just somebody buying him the perfect broom so he'd be great at his new job. But now that the other team can just mass buy them through a generous outside donor, this is an unfair sport. I mean, it's not like there there's somebody to be set rich roles. on the Gryffindor team that could presumably <laughs> buy them all the top-of-the-line broom. We, we, we have confirmed that Harry has no concept of how money works and just <laughs> doesn't really know what to do with it. It's a big vault and there's lots of coins and he gets like six for the year and that's how he works. I, I think that, that Harry Potter and uh, Neo from the Matrix have something in common if they both had a an older black lady that would judge them. <laughs> Enough. Cute, but not very uh, bright. Eh. Let's see, we're going through quick. Uh, I loved Hermione's line at Malfoy, particularly that he just basically has no response to it other than to insult her, which is generally a sign you've won the conversation. Yeah, give us the uh, line again, Spencer, since I did not, I suppose I technically did have time for it in my recap, but um, chose uh, not to. Uh, of course I did not write it down, <laughs> but I can go find it real quick. Um, uh, yeah, Something like at least everybody on the Gryffindor uh, team they earned got their in spot on pure, rather than pure their talent, daddy I bought think, it. Right? Yeah. 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 At, at least no one in Gryffindor had to buy their way in. Said Hermione sharply. They got in on pure talent. Yeah. Good guys. Good memory. Uh, so yeah, very cutting line. All he can really just do is insult her, which really blows up the room. Mm-hmm. Like everyone responds negatively to this. Even his own team is just like immediately diving on him because they assume this is going to make the shit hit the fan. Which raises questions to me that if it is that damn offensive. Aren't there going to be repercussions for him calling a fellow student that? Or just saying that in front of others? Mm. Is there an honor code policy associated with the school? I don't think there is. Because I think this is built around kind of classic 80s, 90s tropes where if teacher did not see it, everything is fine. I mean, um, Hermione I think is fair. 100% a tattletale, though. So if there was, it would be well, enforced. It, she did I, not I tattletale that, on Harry and Ron last yeah, book. Okay. <laughs> she but, really wanted to. Right. Uh, but it's notable here that, kind of like Harry, she, from everyone else's response, reaction, knows that she it is offensive, but it doesn't really hit her because she is an outsider to this. Yeah. She kind of has to have Ron explain it while he's vomiting up uh, slugs how why this is bad. She's proxy offended because everyone else is, but doesn't really get it. And that may inform part of her reaction here. I think well, it's kind of it's... like... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, there's a bit that Trevor Noah does about racism in the mm-hmm. U.S. and racism mm-hmm. in, in South Africa. And just, like, there are words that have a, a lot of power and meaning in the States that he just goes, okay, like, <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. care. 
no, yeah. no cultural background. There. Yeah, and to and kind of to that point, even after it's explained to her, Hermione doesn't seem like overly concerned about it. No, I think if anything, she just kind of enjoys the history that Ron recounts as he's going through this. It's like, oh man, that's fascinating. Keep on going. Tell me why it's bad. Tell me why I should be offended by this. Oh, there's years of history and background and blood lineage attached to this. Is there a book I can get check up in the library? So I can just picture. I can picture going on a Wikipedia spiral as a result of this. It's because, damn, this is a loaded term. Uh, in terms of other things that probably should be crimes, but I don't think are going to have repercussions. Apparently. Attempted cursing is not a problem at Hogwarts. Because Ron straight up just tried to curse a classmate. Mm-hmm. If that had worked, he'd be expelled. There would be serious punishments, probably. Why is the fact that it failed just apparently enough to forgive it? Okay, just because lawyer. it's funny? Sorry. Attempted crimes is still crimes. It's had to address that. So a couple but, of uh, things. I mean, to your earlier point, no teacher saw this, right? Yes. Um And, you know, he is now burping up slugs. So... <laughs> That seems fair. Ways, he's, been, he's punished himself already. Yeah. Uh, we again have... I think you guys told me this last time rather than it was actually straight up stated, but we have an explanation for why Lockhart got the job. Yes, I was waiting mm-hmm. for this. Which was interesting. To have Hagrid in particular say it out. So this mm-hmm. is real damn common knowledge. Uh, not to insult Hagrid, but yeah, I, think, I don't think he's involved in the administrative decisions of the school much. Yeah, but they probably talked about it in Nocturnale, and so... <laughs> Yeah, he, he was sitting next to a guy who was also happening to sell a minute, also happening to sell a cyclops, and you know the story came out. Uh, but it's also interesting to see that no one, according to Hagrid's account, no one wants the job because they think it's jinxed. Mm-hmm. Which again raises my question: What did Snape do to piss off Dumbledore enough that everyone's just ignoring that he really obviously wants the job? We'll get into that uh, in, in terms of the questions we grew up with, but. It's a question that keeps coming up for me because we've had them say Snape really wants this job. And I can't imagine it's going to be that hard to find a replacement potions teacher. That seems like a more fluffy-duffy fun kind of job by comparison to dark arts. Again, we have the book. I feel like they've done it every chapter in this book. We have somebody say that uh, Ginny is really into Harry. And that just keeps coming up a lot to the point I'm like, does the... To what degree does the author trying to hammer this in my head that this may be a thing going forward, or at least this crush may be relevant? Um, Don't know where. There, there is a postscript movie where I believe they have children. Is that like a big spoiler or something that I just got thrown on me? What are you doing, BJ? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening here? I mean, I haven't was, read that was, far was in that the, the books, so I have no idea what happens in these books. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm just going to delete the last five seconds just in case. Yeah, no idea where that's going. To, to rewind that eight-track tape in your brain and. <laughs> okay, back to Hagrid. Uh, Hagrid's projects are awesome, and I love them, and I just want to see Hagrid do various activities around the school because I, that just seems entertaining. That he has he has limited magic; he's not supposed to use, but totally uses it and just does things with it because nobody's really paying attention. So, and his project this week: giant pumpkins. Does he help? a Disney princess to a ball at some point with these pumpkins? <laughs> oh, we I, do get a to... ball in book four. So, <laughs> and is maybe. Is fairy godmother? <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. Uh, there's a visual. Uh, <laughs> spelling question, because I'd never seen the word spelled this way, but is hiccuffing and hiccuping the same thing? Yes, yes. they are. I... Have you guys seen that other spelling before? Or I just somehow missed that. Uh, I have seen it before. It's okay. The GH spelling has become a lot less common. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was fairly common up until I, I i don't know like when they crossed over but they definitely did yeah i could pull up the Oxford english dictionary and figure out this actual trajectory but i am not going to right now but it feels to me like a sort of catch-up cats up thing yeah yeah and that, that, also that's a good good example that gh is like one of the weirder diphthongs in the english language yeah yeah <laughs> uh Next topic for me, I think I'm kind of enjoying the uh, two abhorrent admirers that Harry now apparently has in this book, uh, Colin Creeley and Lockhart, because mm-hmm. it seems I don't really know what to make of Lockhart and Harry, but is Lockhart just kind of fond of Harry and sees him like a proto-minty they can help guide up, or is he trying to leech off his fame or what? But he's just joined at the hip with Harry throughout all of his time that they're having together. It's weird. And it's, maybe maybe he, he sees him as kindred him. spirit. I just said that. I already put it out there. Uh, he may just seem as a kindred spirit. He seems like he's framing it that way, where he sees a kid who's starting to grasp at fame and he wants to guide him around the right path through apparently talking him through the process of fan letters, which I guess might be useful, if mind-numbingly boring. It is and a skill. It, it's something you want to learn, if that's going to be your, your, your uh, walk in life. So um, I really think that Colin should have been named Conrad, right, Spencer? Conrad Creeley? Yes. Not getting the reference. Mass Effect? Oh, yes, Conrad Werner. Now I understand. Thank you, sir. Uh, to offer another video game reference, uh, the ghost or whatever it else it is that Harry is hearing in his ear just constantly chanting rip and tear is kind of giving me the idea that the main character from Doom is now a character in Hawk and Harry Potter, <laughs> which is just an interesting visual. Um, but I'm curious to see where that goes, because that's some rather violent language that is just apparently radiating through the walls of Hogwarts that only Harry can hear, or at least Lockhart can't, which, now that I think about it, the fact that Lockhart can't do something is probably not that informative of what anybody else can or can't do. Um, Fair point. I was going to say, it's also very reminiscent of a Wheel of Time thing, where there's this, like, somewhat insane wind that whispers, like, really creepy things to anybody that's in the passageways that it inhabits. Well, I can say, just I mean, again, this isn't the category of things that where I feel like, even at Harry's age, I would have done things very differently. At the moment that I start hearing voices chanting rip and tear, curl, murder, whatever else, in the school, a magical school where there's just random death things wandering about, <laughs> the first place I'm going is teacher. It's like, hi, just heard this. This being magical world, I know it's more likely real than me suffering from schizophrenia. Let's parse this out, please. I mean, are you sure it isn't Peeves being a dick? Again, I'm going to want somebody to verify that. Sorry about the dog. <laughs> I would but like to point out for me. <laughs> that now the two places where uh, random death things wander around are Hogwarts and Australia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are fair comparisons, really. I mean, the UK is fond of things that are interesting, and so... That's yeah, true. They both, have ver- they both have strange collection of animals that aren't found anywhere else and may murder you. The, the comparisons are rampant. Sure. House points, maybe. House points. So I think that we have a very clear loser for this chapter. Uh, Ron has had a terrible day. Seems reasonable. Yeah. I yeah, I would yeah, argue fair. that any time that you end the day or begin the day burping up slugs. It's even worse for him because it was building up to what would have been a very heroic moment. I know. He was going to be chivalrous. <laughs> this was going to be a thing. Yeah, and he even got a spell right. I mean, even Hermione was kind of impressed that that's a really hard curse that he totally pulled off, except the wand backfired, literally, on Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that makes it burn all the worse. Not great. So, and then he slugged over his detention homework. 
Yes. And pretty much everywhere else he went for the rest <laughs> of the chapter. Yeah. What were you going to say, BJ? So he was conjuring stomach slugs and then vomiting them normally? Or was it just kind of like a magical spewing? Um... <laughs> I'm, I'm not when, sure I know what the difference is. Hey, Hagrid does very specifically say, hey, better out than in, because I think he's yeah. just got slugs, slugs in his belly and now. And he's also very concerned about them being near his pumpkins. Yes. That was very funny, because, like... <laughs> it was. It was. There is a video going around of a giant slug eating some fruit or something like that and it is very impressive how quickly they go through that so maybe large amounts of magical slugs could really take down those pumpkins i I, yeah i would think so not if hagrid can help it well he has potions from nocturne alley um (laughs) so yeah i am i'm certainly going to give the loser to ron um i think there are a couple of candidates for winners here although nobody had like a stellar chapter i don't think um lockhart had the same kind of pleasant day that he always has <laughs> he just he just seems like a happy kind of guy well, I, I feel like golden. if you don't think too hard about things like every day is fine innocence is bliss yeah. um and you know hagrid is growing some really great pumpkins <laughs> and got a visit from his friends um mm-hmm. but i do think that apart from the fact that hermione did get a zinger in on him oh, yeah. draco malfoy had a very good day damn straight he wins this one um he got to show off his wealth he is seeker on the Slytherin team. Um, he got to see Ron burp up slugs. He is not burping up slugs. <laughs> a lot of things That's are going low right. Low bars for, him today. for a really good day, but um, yeah, I, and I, I think that he was still d- d- triumphant at the end of that whole thing. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure for him, just the flabbergasted expressions on the entire Gryffindor team and Hermione mm-hmm. and Ron, mm-hmm. just seeing him walk up in the moment of his glory, oh, just, I could, I, it must have just been sheer bliss for him. Yeah. And the reaction he gets from everyone for using the term mudblood. Like, that's yeah. clearly what he's actually going for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very good day for him, bad day for Ron. Everybody else was fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, are you ready for a few questions for us? A lamb on me. Uh, BJ, you got one to start? Well, shall, I go, shall I go ahead with one? Uh, go ahead with one. All right. I'll go back to it. Again, what did Snape do that he will never get the job that he wants? Is this a certain degree of punishment that he's been condemned to the potions department? Or is there a reason that he is forever banned from being professor of the dark arts? So I think as we will find out specific reasons why he is not allowed to be the dark arts professor. Okay. So uh, there, is a, so there is actually a reason. No, there, it's not just that he's permanently under his own little dark cloud. No, there, there, there is actually a reason. Um, but along with that, like he is, and we, we see more evidence of this later. Like he is a, um, and excuse the term, but he is a wizard at potions. Like no, we we never within within this within the series, other than I guess potentially Nicholas Flamel, who is doing weird alchemy stuff. Um, we never see anyone who is who does potions like um, Snape like does Snape potions. does. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get the impression with Snape, Snape that he's a bit of an insufferable genius. That yeah. pretty much what he wants to do, he does well, other than anything related to people. Yeah. So <laughs> that's fair. Bad, bad with people. <laughs> Yeah, no bedside manner. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a white knight too. He's just really insufferable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? No, I was gonna say, do you have one, BJ? Oh, uh, I have I have a bunch. Some that are oh, good. much more related to this chapter, and some that are much less related to this chapter. Okay. Um, and some sort of general things. So, so follow up to Spencer's first. Um, what does Dumbledore teach? Oh, he doesn't. Okay. He's so, like the principal. Right, but sometimes principals do teach um, because it doesn't seem like there's a lot of administration that actually happens at this school. Um, well, it takes it a lot like, of effort to find a defense against the dark arts teacher. It's not like somebody who might be the equal of the one who shall not be named might mm-hmm. be a good choice for that. But, you know, clearly a, uh, a nation or more than nationwide, a worldwide search for for faculty that turned up Lockhart was taking up all his time Mm -hmm. and also watching what all the students do all the time. That takes a lot of effort, BJ. I'm sure it does. (laughs) Um, So I guess that that answers. Yeah, we have we have at this point, we have little to no insight into what (laughs) Dumbledore does with his days. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Go ahead, Spencer. No, no, keep going. I'm actually looking back through my notes to see if I got anything else. Okay, I have bunches more. So, <laughs> is Harry Potter just being an asshole to Colin? Or is he really that blasé about all of this magic stuff since he's been doing it for a year and can't imagine somebody being super excited about Quidditch? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that we have a sort of confluence of events here. I think that uh, Lockhart has really rattled Harry. Um, about the sort of level of uh, the 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 idea of fame itself, um, mm-hmm. and also the fact that any mention of fame around Harry, like Lockhart, is suddenly there. Some sort of homing signal goes off, and Lockhart just shows up, and it's yeah. really uncomfortable for Harry. Um, and I think that under I think you're right. Under normal circumstances, Harry would be much more amenable to all of this, but Colin is. Colin is a little much, um, even if you are not dealing with a, a, uh, a professor who has decided that you are vying for fame with around in spite of him. Um, so I think you have those two things kind of working together. Also, Harry just doesn't seem to be in a great mood right now. That's true. Fair enough. Yeah. So the next one is we sort of discussed wands um, in uh book one mm-hmm. um but now one seem to be a little bit more inherently magical mm-hmm. um so we sort of as i remember in book one we sort of discussed that that wands were a little bit more of like an amplifier and focal point as opposed to some other like magical in and of themselves mm-hmm. but ron's broken wand sort of just seems to like do things yeah yeah, and um, I don't know. I mean, I think I can come up with some sort of explanation for consistency between the two books. I don't know if it's really supported. Like, when you're standing in Ollivander's, you have, like, no idea what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. But kind of, and certainly from this point forward, you, I think we get more towards the latter explanation of what wands are, because we see many instances of people using other people's wands it just mm-hmm. never works as well. Okay. So, like, you can make it happen, but it's never going to be as powerful, and it's never going to be as easy. Gotcha. I was I was about to ask, you know, is there some animal that's been 
transmogrified that that we'll find out later in the series that oh well <laughs> really they've been taking centipedes and a, a phoenix feather and the the hair of a unicorn and that's why you know they kind of have a mind of their own sometimes um i mean i think that we do <laughs> we do get some evidence that there are some um ingredients that go into wands that are a little more difficult to control than others interesting yeah um okay and then i have one last one that's more of a series question than specifically to the books Mm -hmm. but it is in reference to um malfoy just being the worst (laughs) sure and slytherin just sort of seeming to have a problem with people being the worst there Mm -hmm. um since the sorting hat kind of can see into people's heads a lot and it sounds like Dumbledore may have conversations with this hat every so often that seems like it would be a great way to prevent some things from happening yeah yeah it's unclear is that a little bit too invasive and a little bit too um oh what was that Tom Cruise movie uh precog <laughs> Oh, Minority Report. Thank you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's okay. the Sorting Hat is a the Sorting Hat is a weird one. The Sorting Hat is a weird object in this world, um, and we get very little explanation about it, um, mm. and about what because at times it seems like it's just a hat, and at times it seems like it's a sentient object. Yeah, and there's no real rhyme or reason. Okay. to to what is happening when like it is it is a little bit of kind of deus ex machina but that's what it is yeah gotcha. so i don't know i don't know to what extent dumbledore can actually have conversations with it um <laughs> at some point at, i also feel like dumbledore can have conversations with anything which is a different conversation to have um <laughs> but you know we also get uh evidence later in the series um so it it turns out you know we saw in the first book that the hat sings its song about each of the four houses and blah 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 at the sorting ceremony well this book we didn't get to the sorting ceremony because like we were in a whomping willow um and then we were in snape's office so that didn't happen uh but we find out later that like the the hat changes its song every year and can kind of change its song to do whatever it wants to with the song. And that's a little weird in thinking about what this hat is and what it can do. Mm-hmm. So actually I have a follow-up, but Spencer, do you have a... Yeah, well, only one more question for me, mm-hmm. but um, how in the hell has there not been a tell-all book about Lockhart now, given how famous he is? It seems like if you spend more than six minutes with a man, you understand that he is a complete boob who is obviously not done anything that he's claimed to have done. Oh, we get that the... answer later, Spencer. Uh, there is actually an answer to this question. Oh, there's an answer. Oh, looking forward to that. Yeah. It, it, just, it just seems like if there was anything resembling our world, somebody would have published a book about my time with Lockhart, the man's an idiot. No, but, no, it's coming. All right, I'll make a note on that okay. one. Okay. Um, yeah, so the President Lockhart years. Yeah. So <laughs> the last question, I think, uh-huh. is how much autonomy do pictures have? Mm. And and how much is it sort of based on the person or, like, what's 
going through their head at the time like is the picture of harry potter where he's like no i don't want to be in the picture does that change at some point where he's just like mm-hmm. no i'm awesome like i should be in mm-hmm. all the pictures mm-hmm. and is it true for like all of the pictures of him mm-hmm. like you know if are there they're obviously replicates of any given picture a la chocolate frogs so is it like a mood based thing how much is it reflective of just like the overall personality or their current personality and does this have weird results because because people live in the real world and that would be weird yeah no this is this is a super interesting question and so my understanding of it or my interpretation of it is for the most part um all of these visual images that they they reflect i think kind of the mood and personality of the person at the time that they were captured and mm-hmm. they continue to capture or they continue to reflect that going forward. Um, but I do think that there is a difference between, and I think we see this play out a lot. There's a difference between like photographed images and paintings. Okay. Um, and I think paintings, at least paintings specifically at Hogwarts, and this might be a Hogwarts specific thing. Um, or, or like a Hogwarts Ministry of Magic thing, like maybe kind of high levels of, of magical infrastructure. Um, but paintings get a little bit more leeway. I still think they get kind of a certain personality captured. Mm-hmm. But, for example, we find out um, maybe in this book, maybe in the next book, it doesn't really matter. But like the paintings at, at Hogwarts... If you are a figure in a painting at Hogwarts, you can just move between paintings. And so you can travel around the castle and have conversations with people in other paintings and like visit around and then come back to your own painting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So do professors or teachers have paintings of themselves? Mm -hmm. And does anybody ever burn Lockhart's painting so they don't have to deal with him? Uh, we don't see that, although that is an interesting question. We don't see any paintings of Lockhart going forward after this book. But um, what is also interesting about, especially, I think, paintings of... So there is a, a thing, and this is a, a little bit of a spoiler, but not enough that I think it matters. So, for example, in Dumbledore's headmaster's office, there are paintings of all of the other headmasters who have gone before him. And those paintings have kind of captured some of the knowledge and personality of all of those headmasters. And so he can, in ways that he may or may not be having this conversation with the hat, the sorting hat, he can actually have conversations with the paintings if they choose to engage with him, which they don't have to. Um, But in those types of paintings, and in a, a couple of other places across Hogwarts you see this, like if you have a painting, if you're a headmaster at Hogwarts and you have a painting in the headmaster's office, or somewhere in the in the school, and you have a painting in like your family house, you can travel back and forth between those paintings as well. Hmm. So, so there 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 are a lot of there there are multi level interactions going on between these paintings. I think the the paintings end up being like much more interesting and nuanced than like the photographs do. The number of sentient things in this universe that are just things just freaks me out. It's, it's weird. Yeah, you can't think too hard about it. <laughs> so Fahrenheit 451 in this uh, universe oh. would be... Genocide. Tough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. 
Not great. Well, on that on that uplifting note. Yeah, here's 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 where we have gotten in the chapter called Mud Bloods and Murder. <laughs> Murmur, although murder, I suppose. We'll get there. You'll keep you'll keep it to a theme. <laughs> sure. It's very Agatha Christie. Um, all right. Anything else we want to talk about in terms of chapter seven? Um, I think we're pretty good. The uh, the picture was kind of interesting coming in, um, as yeah. they sort of always seem to be, but. Yeah, that is a very large cauldron full of slugs. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of seems like he's almost saving it for something, <laughs> which would be on brand. Sure, yeah. Ron strikes me as a hoarder. I was going to say he could, like, you know, sneak it into, like, somebody's desk or something like sure. that. Sure, that's also fair. Um, all right, so next time we have Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. Yeah.